everybody. Welcome to episode 12 of the book Cougars, Two Middle-Aged Women on the Hunt for a Good Read. I'm Emily. And I'm Chris. And we are coming at you on an off week. We have a very special, super duper special episode, <laughs> at least we think it is, of the book Cougars. Yes. Surprise guest. With a surprise guest, um, Chris and I went, went up yonder over the border to Rhode Island um, last Saturday and had a joint jaunt together where we got to see Brian Stevenson, mm-hmm. who I know we spoke about on an earlier episode that we were going to be doing this joint jaunt. And um, he is the author of the book Just Mercy, which is a memoir of sorts, um, also talks about the work that he does. And he is the founder and executive director of the Equal Justice Initiative in Montgomery, Alabama. He's a lawyer by trade, and um, he has argued in front of the Supreme Court his specialty and what he cares a lot about is the fact that kids are, there were laws that were changed where children are tried as adults. As adults and held in adult prisons. And, you know, we're talking kids who are 12, 13, 14. Right. And um, I, I remember when that was changing in the 90s. I was in Chicago at the time and, and it was a big argument. A lot of it based on size of, of some of the kids. Mm-hmm. Um which at least that's that was the fear that was put into people and it was definitely a race issue that some of these you know 14 15 year old boys actually were bigger than a lot of men mm-hmm. um but as he talks about in his book that is definitely not always the case he talks about some of these 14 year old kids who were you know so short and skinny that they don't even look like they're 14 yet right and regardless of how big they, they are physically, their brains are still brains of children exactly. and their life experience is still that of children. Yes. So, so he's argued on the Supreme Court about um, life without parole sentences for children 17 years or younger as being unconstitutional. Um, he's also won a MacArthur Genius Prize. He's a great storyteller, although his stories are difficult um, to listen to, that is for sure. So we got to go hear him speak. Um, the Rhode Island used Just Mercy as their kind of one, one book, one, one state or something right. like that. It, one book, called? one Rhode Island. It's um, Reading Across Rhode Island. Okay. Yeah. And it was sponsored, this event was sponsored by the Rhode Island Center for the Book. We were in a really lovely auditorium on a college campus. The event had sold out and two judges introduced him. They gave a really nice introduction. They made it very personal and also talked about some of the experiences of students who, in the school systems in Rhode Island, who'd read the book. Some of them even went to prisons and um, they discussed some of the responses the kids had to reading the book, which was pretty incredible. And then when he came out on the stage, there was a standing ovation. Yes, a standing ovation. And and one of the judges um, who was during the introduction described Brian Stevenson as, or repeated that Desmond Tutu calls him America's Nelson Mandela for mm-hmm. the profound work that he's doing. It's really racial issues yeah, here in America. Really impressive work. Yes. Um, and we met... At this event, someone very near and dear to us. Yes, so we'll play that clip for you. Yes. It's the end of the buzz here at Brian Stevenson's event at McVinnie Auditorium in Providence, Rhode Island. And we have a surprise special guest on this special episode of the Book Cougars. Special episode, I guess we'll call it episode seven of the Book Cougars. Seven. 
I mean, 12. <laughs> Two middle-aged women on the hunt for a good read. I'm Emily. I'm Chris. And I'm Michael. And I was going to say, didn't you guys just have episode 10? <laughs> yeah, well, we just recorded. So this is yeah. kind of another... Um, we'll have one up before this one goes live. Yeah. Cool. But this yeah. isn't just Michael. For some of you who've heard us wax poetic, this is Michael Kindness of Books on the Nightstand. And if it weren't for Books on the Nightstand, Chris and I right. would have never met. We would have never been, become friends. Booktopia! Yeah. Yay! Yay. Michael. Do you get tired of people saying yay, Anna and Michael? Because you guys have created so many friendship bonds between people. That's what makes it incredible. It is kind of weird because Mm -hmm. I'm kind of like an introvert and a private person, so it's kind of weird to have people like say that kind of stuff about me, but it makes me very happy. So it's weird to be like a public figure and not feel like a public figure. Exactly. The joke I always tell is that I never wanted to be rich and famous. I just wanted to be rich. (laughs) But instead, instead I just got famous. Sort of. Sort of. (laughs) Well, Chris and I had our first experience of arriving at a book event, and then someone behind us said, are you the book movers? And you should have seen both of us kind of recoil. One was trying to hide behind the other just because of exactly what you It's weird, right? Yeah. 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 She's like, I recognize your voices. And they happened to me the first time I was at uh, Man, uh, Manchester, Manchester. Yeah, yeah, I was in the bookstore and I heard your voice and my head whipped around. I was like, oh, you know, and I'm sure anybody who saw me is like, what's going on with that lady? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Yeah, someone once said to me, it's weird to hear your voice coming out of a face. It is. And I was like, okay, I'll, that's, all right, I'll, don't know how to take that, but... <laughs> Well, we're here today in Rhode Island um, to hear Brian Stevenson speak. He's the author of Just Mercy. And I was just saying to Chris, I actually think that I first heard about this book several years ago from you talking about it on Books on the Nightstand. Yeah, this is a book that I read before we published it. I had an advanced reader's copy, which I actually have with me, and I got signed. And I mean, it's a book I fell in love with as soon as it came out, and or as soon as I read it. And it just... It's one of those books that changes your life, and to hear him speak is a a completely other experience, too. It's just, someone said to me that if you hear him talk, you'll want to quit your job and just do what he does, Mm -hmm. and I sort of feel that way, and I just want to try to help people, but it's an incredible book that really, to me, opened my eyes to the injustice that exists in our our, um, criminal system, our Mm -hmm. court system. I agree. And I, I want to quit my job and just work for him. Like, I feel like I'll be your personal assistant. I'll make your breakfast, you know, like I'll do whatever I can to make you, to lift you up and help you do right. what you do. And I know that you can donate to his organization. Mm-hmm. So in the show no- notes, we'll write about that. So if people do want to help him, there are, are ways that you can without quitting your day job. Yeah. yeah. And that's, I mean, Marnie, my wife and I started um, a couple months ago donating to three organizations, just $5 a month, Mm -hmm. and this is going to get added to it. I I don't know why I didn't think of this before, but his Equal Justice Initiative is going to get $5 a month for me. That's great. More when I can do it. Yeah, well, every little bit helps. Well, I haven't read the book yet. I, I have the audio that I haven't started yet, but I'm really looking forward to that. And I know that there's a he did a TED Talk, mm-hmm. too. We could link to that, too, yeah. so you yeah. all can get a taste of his uh, speaking presentation. Right. And yeah. he reads the audio, and oh, it's incredible. Oh. See, I listen to the audio, and so I feel like coming here today just adds a little bit to that experience because I feel like I have had him in my ears talking to me, telling me his stories. Mm-hmm. And he did a little bit of storytelling today that was similar mm-hmm. to what he does in the book. But he also, I feel like... Um, gave us hope for what we can do as a society 
to move forward and mend some of the things that are broken in our society that I think Absolutely. some of us are really feeling today. Yeah. yeah. And I, I don't, I mean, I read the book a while ago and I didn't, I haven't reread it recently, but I feel like the talk he gave today was very prescriptive. Like these are the things you can do. And that may be in the book. I don't remember entirely, but I definitely was taking a lot of notes and mm-hmm. writing down things that I, I think we should all be doing. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, he's part of the movement that's changing my attitude toward, towards lawyers, really, because with the, all the volunteer lawyers out there who showed up at the airports mm-hmm. with the immigration legislation to mm-hmm. help people, it seems like there are a lot of lawyers just being highlighted and on the good work that they're doing yeah. for justice. Yeah, you have this... this um, not prototypical, but like um, cliched image of them as sharks and just out for money and things like that. And Mm -hmm. there's so many that are doing such good work. Absolutely. Right. There was a picture floating around um, when the the immigration ban was put into place of just a bunch of lawyers, you know, with their laptops on the floor at the yeah. airport. Mm-hmm. And I was like, right Get on. Ready to do things. Send yeah. your money to ACLU. <laughs> you know, it was a bunch of ACLU lawyers. So. And didn't, I think, I, I don't know if it was New York State or New York City just announced that they're the first place that will, all immigrants will have lawyers That's just great. provided to them. Yeah. It's yeah. so, I mean, it's, when bad things happen, good things, good people step up. And yeah. I think it, yeah. It, motivates people. Absolutely. Right. And just to hear one of the things uh, he said in his talk, in Alabama, there's not a right to legal representation, mm-hmm. which is horrifying. Right. I, I mean, I thought that was a nationwide given that you have legal representation. Right. I thought it was part of the Constitution. Yeah, you would think, right? Yeah, yeah. I guess I, that's yeah. what I assume, too, yeah. part of the Constitution and yeah. our rights as citizens. Yeah. So, and that's a, yet another thing I don't know. Well, I think it's um, just another reason for us all to sit down and read the Constitution. That's right. I yeah. mean, we had um, we had sales conference recently, and um, Kazir Khan, who spoke at the Democratic National Convention with his wife Gazala, and they're the ones who are the Gold Star family whose son was killed mm-hmm. um, in the Middle East, and who had a little bit of a, a public feud with Donald Trump. He spoke to us, and he gave us all a copy of that little okay. pocket yeah. copy of the Constitution because that's. He's a constitutional lawyer, and he thinks that it's one of the most incredible documents mm-hmm. around, and he really encourages people to read it. And it's not that long. We should probably all sit down and yeah. do it. It's right. been a while. I did read it once upon a time, and actually my friend Casey just gave me a little ACLU copy of the Constitution, a little blue one. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'm going to reread it. Maybe we can have a talk about that on the yeah, podcast one day. Yep. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, the other thing I told Michael we were going to ask him about, we're not going to do all the segments. We're not going to subject Michael to all the segments (laughs) of the podcast. But I said to him, maybe he could tell us what he just read. Oh, yeah. And I finished a book this morning. And I feel bad talking about it because it doesn't come out until January of 2018, (laughs) which is insane. But um, it's this book called The Immortalists by Chloe Benjamin. And it's not a book that I'm going to be selling. It's published by Penguin. Um... So the side of Penguin Random House that I don't sell, but I read it for an internal reading committee that we're doing. And it's the story of these these siblings in New York in, I think it probably starts in the early 70s, late 60s. Um, these two brothers and two sisters, and they hear that there's a psychic in town and that she can tell you the day you're going to die. Oh. And they pool all their money and they go and they each go in individually. And it isn't until like six or seven years later when their father passes away and they're all sitting in the attic of their house that they talk about what she told them. Mm-hmm. And then you follow each sibling through their lives. And it's a book, I was, I, 
was like 35 or 40 pages away from finishing it last night. And I put it down because I knew that it was going to wreck me. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to read it and then try to sleep because I knew I wouldn't. Yeah. So I left it till this morning and I sat down to read it and my kids were, you know, like they were playing and they were making noise and I'm like, I just, I have to go upstairs. I have to read this book and focus on this, these last few pages and it is, it, these four people are characters I am never going to forget. Uh-huh. This is, I thought recently about, about how hard, and I think you guys talked about this, about how hard it is to take a new book that you love and make it one of your favorite books of all time. Mm-hmm. Because that's sort of a list that is set in some way. For some people. For some people. <laughs> Emily resists. I resist. Right, right. Well, you're, 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 ten, you're ten books. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I just think that this book, without even hesitation, has vaulted at least into my top 20 of all time. It's incredible. And I think this is only her second book, her second novel, Chloe Benjamin. Um, the Immortalists, oh. and it comes out in January. So I would say pre-order it, get on your library's reserve copy list now. I mean, they don't even, probably don't even have it in their system yeah. yet. <laughs> you can tell them about yeah, it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we will. That's, yeah, you know, actually, I noticed recently that my library, both of the libraries that I still use, um, you, if you put a book in and the system is aware of it, that you can automatically now push a button for request, which mm-hmm. is something mm-hmm. new that didn't used to be the case. Yeah. So, yeah. At least for the online, you know, for ebooks and audiobooks. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if it's for the hard cover books. But, yeah. I don't yeah. know. I've had good luck. Anytime a book is coming out that I'm really excited about, if I tell the librarians about it, they tend to order it mm-hmm. because I think... You know, they're excited about different books, too. And if somebody from the community is saying, wow, this is looking really interesting, they might do that. So give that a try, too. Yeah. 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 Well, and I have to say, it's kind of a relief to me that you're telling us about a book that comes out in January 2018. (laughs) I feel like, I don't have to push anything off the TBR right now. Exactly. (laughs) But something to look forward forward to. to, Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, do you guys find it as hard as I do to decide what book to read next? Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You know, especially I, I don't know what I'm going to do now because why well, I, I do know it. I normally when I finish a book I love so much and you guys probably have the same thing. It's the book hangover and you yes. can't nothing else. Yeah. But I have these four books that I have to read by the end of the month. So I so I'm sort of lucky that I am have my assignment. Yeah. Well, you have to read under pressure a lot more than we do. I mean, to me Booktopia is kind of the only time I've had to read under pressure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and that's really, you know, nothing. It's not, you know, my paying job and all mm-hmm. that, so it's not earth-shattering if right. I don't get to it. But right. You know, or book clubs, of course, mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. But you really kind of, I'm sure sometimes you have to face reading a book that you might not be in the mood for or you can't get into or something like that, which is a little different. Luckily, things aren't assigned to me with, like, any sort of finality. Mm-hmm. We have, I mean, we publish, I don't know, each season we probably publish 800 books and, um, like, 8 or 10 are, are main priority titles. And we get to pick which of those we're interested in and then our boss sort of assigns and I almost always get the ones that I am most interested in so it's fine but um there's definitely a lot of reading 20 pages of 200 books yeah. just to get a yeah. sense yeah. of it but yeah. um I mean I will never ever complain about it yeah. it's just yep it's not. <laughs> we won't let you <laughs> well oh, there's also great. this you know part of the book hangover to me of finishing a book you've really loved is Sometimes you do have to, if, if you're not in a position like you are where you have to hit, you know, these certain books, mm-hmm. it is kind of a chance to reflect on the books that I'm looking to read and really being thoughtful about, you know, what am I in the mood for now? What can mm-hmm. I do? Sometimes that's when I throw in a little palate cleanser, which can be guilty pleasures, mm-hmm. but it's the right time to do it, yeah. you know? Right. Yeah. So. You, you need to, sometimes you need to uh, 
decide to read a book that you know what to expect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like if you're in a series, if you're reading a series or, um, I mean, that's when I just start shopping in, on my bookshelves and reading the first 10 pages of all these books and mm-hmm. deciding what's striking my fancy at that time. Yeah. Or I'll read a graphic novel. I mean, those I can finish in an hour and yeah, it sort of right. gets me motivated again. Yeah, yeah that's a quick exactly. palette yeah. cleanser. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I like series because it's like, you know, visiting old friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it kind of, it's a little vacation. And, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. 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 Great. Very good. All right. Thank you so much, Michael. Thank, thank you guys for having me on. Absolutely. In this in this cold stairwell. <laughs> We're standing in the stairwell in the auditorium, and Jane, um, Michael's mother-in-law, has been kind enough to be sitting in the stairwell, in the sitting in the stairwell. quietly while we record. So thank she's, you, she's, Jane. She's waving. <laughs> Hi, everybody. We're back. Thanks for listening. Um, that was our little debrief with Michael Kindness. Um, for those of you who don't know who he is, he and Ann King- Kingman were the partnership of Books on the Nightstand, which was a fantastic podcast. Sadly, it is no it's more. retired, yes, yes, but they're still available. If you go to iTunes, you can still subscribe and listen to all the great episodes that they have out there. Yeah. And, and they're, I think, you know, there are a lot of book podcasts out there, but they were... One of the first and one of the most popular, for mm-hmm. sure. And I think they have over 300 episodes, so there's a lot of listening lot of there, listening. I'm pretty yeah. sure. You can also go to booksonthenightstand.com, and we'll put that in the show notes. And so when he's speaking about um, the book that he's just read, he and we talk about his job, he's a sales rep for Penguin Random House, just to give you a little idea. Yeah. And then also thank you for your patience with the sound quality. We were standing in a stairwell. Yes. So towards the end there, there was a little, uh, I think there were some sirens and some people who were trying to get up the stairwell, although I think Jane was in place to chase anyone yes. away that <laughs> needed to be chased. But Thanks, Jane. Yeah, thank you, Jane. Um, but we thought what we would do, um, just leave you kind of with what Brian Stevenson talked about that day. He kind of gave us some four really nice um, talking points about where we are in the country yes. and how we got here and that sort of thing. And, yeah, and what we can do. Yeah. Uh, you know, because his, his book, Just Mercy, I'm in the middle of the audio book right now, and I should say I echo Emily and Michael's saying it's such a great book. It really is. It's not an easy book to listen to, uh, but he, he narrates it, and it's very captivating. Yeah. But it, it's depressing. Yeah. Uh, you know, to look at the justice system and the inequality in our country – uh, so having these four prescriptions on what we can do was just a very helpful, and I think most people left feeling uplifted and like there was hope for right. the future. And I'm not sure I felt that way when I read the book. I'll be interested when you finish it, because I did read it several years ago. I have a feeling that this talk that he gives is kind of a response to people feeling like, well, what can we do? Yeah. And I know a lot of us are feeling that way now, so... Exactly. We're going to share it with yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, uh, yeah. The, so the first point that he made is to get close right. to, to other people. Proximity is right. his key word. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the things I like, because he talks about most people, when you're afraid, you want to stay away. Or when you don't know something, you want to stay away. And he's like, you know, resist that and get closer to people and start talking. Right. And he even talked about how his equal rights initiative is in Alabama, Alabama, which isn't necessarily his first place to live. But um, he feels like if you want to solve problems, you need to be close to where the problems are. Absolutely. And one of the things I really like that he said is you don't need to have the answers to get started. 
You just need to start. Yeah. And I, I really like that because that resonates so much with me and my personality type and, and just in the world in general. Like, let's start talking. And I know Emily and I are, are two white middle class women. And it's sometimes hard and we stumble talking about race and other hard issues. But we have to start talking. We want to start talking. Right. And we hope, you know, that you all are talking in your communities and families as well. Yeah. So speaking of talking, the next point he made was that we need to change the narrative. Yeah. And when he talked about changing the narrative, he was talking about it on two fronts. One was um, the fact that in this country, we've chosen to see drug addiction and dependency as a criminal issue as opposed to a health care issue. Like alcoholism is considered a health care issue. Right. And so many of the issues in prisons or the reason people are in prison has to do with something drug related. Yes. And and very draconian drug laws, right. uh, you know, where you have somebody who's busted for having a little pot who gets years, a year, you know, multiple year sentence. Right. Um, Sometimes even in some cases with the whole three strikes thing, Mm -hmm. they'll get a heavier sentence than somebody who has committed murder or or some other heinous crime. Yeah. And then the other side of changing the narrative has to do with race relations. And he talked a lot about the history of race relations in our culture. Yes. And and he taught, yeah, and one of the humorous things he said was the way we talk about the civil rights movement in this country needs to change because he said we kind of look at it as like a three-day carnival that on the first day Rosa Parks sat on the front of the bus on the second day Martin Luther King Jr. gave a speech and on the third day they changed the laws right you know like we don't realize (laughs) how long that fight was yeah and how hard that fight was and uh so one of the things he talked about was how in Germany they talk so much about the Holocaust and they have placards and monuments everywhere you go. You know, he said he couldn't walk two feet in Berlin without hitting another notification that something happened here to Jewish people or gay people or people of color during the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said that's what we need here. And he also mentioned Rwanda. You can't go to Rwanda without people talking to you about the genocide that happened. And that here in America, we need to start talking more about slavery and discrimination and Jim Crow and all those things. Right. And doing it in a way that doesn't carnivalize it as a three-day. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And he so he's actually participating in an effort to put plaques, um, I think he said at 4,000 yes. various sites where lynchings took place. Yeah, he said between 1877 and 1950, they've documented 4,000 lynchings that took place in America. Yeah. And also working on a, a museum devoted to the history of slavery. Yes. I believe. Yeah. Yeah. American slavery. Yeah. And um Oh, you know, he made the other point too, which was fascinating that the great migration of African Americans coming from the south to the north, he equated them to people fleeing terrorism. Mm-hmm. So he, he looked at them as refugees. Right refugees from the south to the north and that wasn't just his idea alone he said this is a reaction he's had from people elderly african-americans who come to hear him speak or see him somewhere and they say you know why are why are people just starting to talk about terrorism now we've Mm -hmm. been living through terrorism our whole lives exactly you know yeah so that was a very interesting point i think Mm -hmm. yeah and i also um this didn't happen at this event but another interview what i saw him he said 
he feels like some of the tension lies between the fact that, you know, white people, particularly maybe of our age, say, you know, well, it's not my fault. You know, like, I didn't make this happen. What do you mm-hmm. want me to do about it now? And he said, you know, we can't. It's not about placing blame right. on people. It's about trying to heal the damage that was done. And part of the work that needs to be done is acknowledging. Exactly. And acknowledging that it happened and the effect that it's had. And that's where we seem to be lagging in this country compared to, as you as you gave examples of, how they've handled it in other countries. Right. And in history, too, not yeah. making these little short, simple examples of things and then the third thing he talked about which was really nice was um to stay hopeful about what we can do yes and he used some really um thoughtful examples of even times where he's lost hope and he's dealt with some really tough cases um you know people in jail because they have um mental health issues or you know they're developmentally delayed and they got sentenced to life in prison or the death penalty mm-hmm. But yet, even in his darkest times, you know, when he's not felt hopeful, that he realizes that it's important to maintain our hope. Exactly. Yeah, he tells one story about a white prison guard who was who acted horribly towards him and put him in humiliating situations, but he still stuck with it because he was there for his client. And then in the courtroom, that guard was present in the courtroom while he was arguing the case. And then the next time he showed up at the prison to visit a, a client, that guard, you, you know, Brian said he was ready to do what that guard wanted him to do. And the guard's like, oh, no, no, Mr. Stevenson, let me take you in. Let me take, you know. And he said in his talk, he kind of felt like, oh, okay. Like he's kind of waiting for the shoe to drop. Right. Like something's <laughs> up. And the guy paused and said to him, I, I want to shake your hand. I think what you're doing is so important. Because he, he heard everything right in his argument yeah. in the courtroom and understood the situation in a different way. And mm-hmm. that just brought to light that we're all raised with these different values and beliefs and stereotypes. And if we can just for a while listen and just try and drop our defensiveness and listen mm-hmm. and hear, you know, that that gave me hope, that story, like that you could change somebody who was apparently a raging racist and bigot, Mm -hmm. that you can change them. And part of why he was a raging racist and bigot was because he had had a horrible upbringing. Yeah. And so what really impacted him, one of the things that really impacted him was to hear Brian Stevens, Stevenson, sorry, talk about this client of his and his His. go through his life story and real and the guard realized, wow, other people have had it just as bad or worse, or worse than right. I have. Yeah. So yeah. So you're not. Cha- yeah. I guess you're working to change people's hearts and minds, but they have to be open right. enough to do it themselves. So it is a two way street, right. and that's why talking in proximity is so important. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. and that guard certainly was proximate. Yes. It was just a question of changing his attitude. Yeah. And then the last thing that he talked about, the fourth thing, was to do uncomfortable things. And that, that's the one I'm still thinking about, I have to admit, you know, how, how I'm going to imp- implement that in my own life. Do uncomfortable things and, and be a witness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and he talked, too, about how we, we are all broken mm-hmm. in some way. And, and maybe the first is uncomfortable thing is just to admit that we are ourselves where we are broken. Mm-hmm. And maybe that can also open our hearts a little bit towards other people Yeah, instead of being defensive. Yeah, and one of the, the statements he made is, um, we are all more than the worst thing we've ever done. 
And that one really resonated with me because there is a part of me that, you know, when I when I listened to Just Mercy, I thought, well, you know, some of these people that he's defending did do bad things. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe they did them based on some really terrible, out, you know, circumstances surrounding their lives. But how does he work within that? You know, so when he said that, that just really resonated that particularly when they're children, you right. know, which is what he spends, I think, most of his time on is, you know, these terrible cases involving children. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, one thing he talked about in the book that I'm listening to as I was just coming here is how prior, Mm -hmm. like, to the 1980s, when there was a victim, when somebody was victimized in some way, they represented the whole community. Mm. So that when somebody perpetrated a crime against someone, murder or rape, they were harming the community. And he said in the 80s, there was a shift to make it an individual crime. You know, this person was murdered. You know, this person was raped. It wasn't a community, a threat to the community. And I thought that that is a profound thing, too. And Mm -hmm. I think part of the movement we're seeing now is more of a community-based, we are all in this together. Mm -hmm. Let's, yeah, yeah. Maybe let's be uncomfortable and band together and, yeah, you know, donate what we can. I mean, that's yeah. a, a way of being uncomfortable, too, mm-hmm. is taking some money from your budget mm-hmm. and donating it to a good cause. Right. Yeah, and I loved how Michael and Marnie have committed to $5 a month to mm-hmm. these different organizations. And, you know, that's a really great way to do it. And particularly if you've never donated in the past, just once you set it up like that, you really don't miss it. Right. It really is easier to factor it into your, your monthly budget, yeah, you know. exactly. So I highly recommend that as well. And I'm with Michael, too. This one's going on my my radar for donation, yeah. for and sure. And what is it, the e, it's EJI? Equal I, Justice Initiative. Okay, yeah. well, EJI, because that's his Twitter E-J-I. handle. For those okay. of you on Twitter, okay. it's EGI. EJI. EJI. <laughs> There's going to be a little editing here. <laughs> Who are we talking about? And what is our alphabet? <laughs> Equal justice. His organization is the Equal Justice Initiative, and it's located in Montgomery, Alabama. He has a great website. I'll put it in the show notes. Um, He has a really um, interesting system of getting, you know, lawyers there for internships and externships and all sorts of things. Mm -hmm. So if you're a lawyer out there looking to do something different and want to get involved with his organization, there's opportunity for that as well. Yeah. Or thinking about law school, maybe yeah. even, you know? Yeah. 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 I tell you, I've never wanted to be a lawyer. I never had that urge or interest at all. But during his talk, I really had a, more of an understanding of why some people would get turned on by going to law school. I see. Uh, you know, I'm a lawyer wannabe. I've are always you? wanted yeah, to be a lawyer. Yeah, you'd be a good lawyer. Yeah, really? Yeah, yeah um, you'd be scary in the courtroom. <laughs> Yeah, my kids say that all the time. <laughs> oh, my God. My kids are so not afraid of me. It's terrible. <laughs> well, what I do like, though, is lawyers, um, I like their books, and I realize it's because they're succinct. You know, mm-hmm. when you write a brief, you have to use as few words as possible and get your point across, and I think lawyers make good writers. And he also was an incredible speaker for he the was. same reason. Yeah. Very compelling. Um, I feel like the entire audience was wrapped. So thanks for listening to this super duper extra special episode. Thank you, Michael, for joining us. And we highly recommend you read the book, Just Mercy, Brian Stevenson. We'll be back next week with a full episode. All right. All right, right, everybody. Happy reading. Happy reading. Thanks, as always, for listening. Yeah, and if you're looking for us, you can find us on Twitter at Book Cougars. 
Facebook at Book Cougars. If you have anything you want to share, please feel free to email us at bookcougars at gmail.com. And if you're listening to us on iTunes and like to leave a review, we'd appreciate it. It helps other people find us. Thanks, everybody. Happy reading, everybody. Bye.